Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and Brian Murphy. Uh, just a three-man booth for uh, for this episode as we as we continue to build off of um, our episode on Monday, where we talked about some of the marquee high school basketball games in our coverage area. We talked uh, some of the uh, some of the must-see action on the girls' side on Monday. We're going to shift gears, talk a little bit about boys' basketball today. Uh, same exercise. We each picked a game: one at the six A level, one at the five A level. Even though Kendrick is not here, he did pass. Along a couple selections for the McKinney schools, and I will uh, touch on those as well. So, um, yeah, guys, let's just dive right into it. Let's. Uh, we started with uh, with six A on Monday, so let's change it up. Let's start with five A today. Let's talk about um, some of the uh, some of the marquee matchups in five A boys basketball on our coverage area for the remainder of the uh, of the month and whatnot. So, uh, Devin. Let's start us off, man. What is one game in your coverage area at the 5A level that um, you were just jazzed up for later on this month? Uh, tomorrow, actually. There right you around go. the corner. Perfect uh, timing. Po- Poteet and West Mesquite, uh, crosstown mm-hmm. rivalry over at West Mesquite, 7 o'clock. Uh, 13-5A is kind of Lancaster and everybody else. Yes. I mean, and then yeah. you put Lancaster in pretty much any other district at 5A, and that'll be the case. They're yes. the number one team in the state for a reason. Um, but, you know, Poteet and West Mesquite, similar to last year, there was essentially five teams battling or four teams battling out for three spots and it's kind of shaping up that way uh once again um you know for poteet uh they're two and oh so they're alone with lancaster having a bye they're alone in first place uh for now they can say that um hang a banner yeah yeah (laughs) somewhat (laughs) in dramatic i mean if you looked at uh, the the preseason uh poll uh, according to the texas association of basketball coaches it went lancaster kaufman poteet north 40. so poteet was expected to be in the mix uh they do have a nice win over north 40 in the opener and then on tuesday they beat 40 in dramatic fashion as jalen alexander hits a three-pointer as time expires to uh give them the 40 45 um a victory and that them hitting a three to win has kind of been their mo uh if you look at their two district games against forney they made 10 three-pointers and five two-pointers i guess not north forney they made eight threes and four two-pointers so they can you know without having that inside yeah. presence like a dj basey like they had last year they've really kind of relied on their guards uh you know tyler jones and i mentioned uh, you know jalen alexander and uh javante valdez uh, jalen police jeremiah wells a lot of these guys that can shoot from outside and that's kind of what they've leaned on here early on in district play. Uh, they do have a little bit of size in the middle with King Moore, who's a 6'4 kid. Uh, he's just a junior, but he's done some good things. And I think this team is playing with a lot of confidence. You know, they made the playoffs last year. Um, they were able to avoid the three-way tiebreaker that I'll talk about here in a second. Yeah. Uh, but they also won a playoff game, which was huge for them because that, that was our first playoff win since 2004. And so they've got some of these guys back in the mix uh, that were able to navigate that district a year ago. So they're going to be right there. Uh, West Mesquite, a little different history playoff-wise, you know, in terms of re- recent memory. I mean, this is a program that went to four regional tournaments in six years from 2012 to 2017. Okay. But they haven't been back since. So none of their current crop has that playoff experience. 
So they kind of had that motivation. Again, they were right there last year. There was a three-way tie for third place, so they had a three-team tournament, and West West Heat ended up being the odd man out. Uh, this is a senior lane group. Uh, actually, two of the better players are juniors, uh, Josh Bennett and Eli Huey, but they're the only two juniors on the roster. Everybody else is a senior. Uh, they do have a little bit of height. Uh, Glennie Gilbert is a 6'6 kid in the middle. Uh, Judah Hanaya uh, is a 6'5 is guy, but you know, the strength of West Mesquite over the years really has been their guard play and their versatility with those guys on the outside. I mentioned Josh Bennett and Eli Huey, uh, Iron Hawkins, uh, Aaron McCoy Jr., Adam Jones. They have several different guys that have stepped up at different times. Um, so, you know, I think when you look at that middle pack, every one of those games is going to be big in terms of tiebreakers and seeding. We talked a little bit about that a little bit on the girls' side on, mm -hmm. earlier this week. Um, but these two teams, you know, obviously with it, with it being the, the two 5A programs in Mesquite, that always adds a little bit extra in terms of rivalry standpoint. Um, but it could be a little bit more this year. And I mm -hmm. think the game on Friday will give the winner a leg up as they head into the second half of the district race. For, um, just for high school basketball in general, I always like, people ask, like, what's, the, what's your favorite sport to cover and whatnot? And it's always, I mean, you love the pageantry that comes along with football, the way they take care of the media and whatnot. But I always just love the atmosphere that basketball brings, especially when you get a game that carries like really, really significant stakes and just how it can sometimes bring out the absolute best in both uh, you know, fan bases and whatnot. And, um, it really does create a very unique type of atmosphere. And um, you especially see that with rivalry games. And that's where I landed on for, um, for my selection between the Colony and Little Elm. I mean, this is a game that has carried some, uh, some pretty heavy weight to this matchup. And, um, and sometimes, as Jim Brian, you can attest, you've seen these two teams um, you know, when RJ was there and whatnot. And just how, I mean, both, both, both uh, fan bases would just, I mean, pack that gym every <laughs> two twice a year. Well, I mean, a lot of that had to do with R.J. Hampton sure. packing any gym. But, I mean, look at those two matchups they had last year. You know, R.J. hitting the game winner, you know, at the buzzer, at the colony, you know, and, and shut them up in, in their house, in a, in a packed house, like you just said. And then, you know, when they rematched at home, that thing was back and forth. You know, there was there was nowhere for me to sit that game. I remember, <laughs> and so I, I stood baseline and, and, and took videos that entire time. And, man, it was it was back and forth, back and forth. And then R.J., you know, sealed the deal with mm – -hmm. with, uh, uh, three free throws late. He got fouled on a, on a three-point attempt. Um, he had 30-something points, of course. And you know, is it going to be as juicy this year? Maybe not. You know, the, you know, with the, that whole allure of you know RJ the, being the gone. The star and, power and has it, definitely it, changed. Sure. It's it's still awesome yeah, when, yeah. when the colony and little um you know go at it in any sport really. The um, let's see the dates for the uh, for the matchup this year um, as they begin District Eight Five A play. Uh, you have January twenty first is the game at Little Elm. Then February fourteenth is at the Colony. I would I would imagine maybe now I guess for Little Elm like how much has like because I know those crowds last year and these past few years with RJ have always been like you know you would just I mean it was like a like a showcase there anytime that that kid was playing. Is the is the fanfare still there with Little yeah. Elm basketball? Oh yeah okay. yeah maybe maybe I, I've only seen them play at home. Mm -hmm. uh, I've only seen the boys. Uh, play at home so far this year. Um, so I mean, they still have the crowds. Uh, I don't know if it'll be the same on the road against the Colony. They're, they're you know those two teams, those two schools, fan bases. They don't like each That's other. Right, you know yeah. when it comes to sports, you know they're they're not too fond of each other, and it's it's a good rivalry. So I mean, those two games will be packed. Uh, I mean, I I'm interested to see what the games against Justin Northwest will be like because okay. those games were pretty vicious mm -hmm. last year too. Um, you know. Uh, RJ dropping 50 points in a, in a loss um, to, to uh, Northwest and then them beating them uh, I was at that game in, in Justin uh, when they knocked off uh, knocked them off in one of the games when RJ had a hurt groin mm -hmm. I'm interested to see if those will you know kind of have that same atmosphere this mm -hmm. year with you know with Anderson and Hampton 
uh, both college still should be you know exciting matchups. Because you got to imagine the colony is going to be out for blood this year because yeah. they have taken it on the chin oh, yeah. in recent years to Little Elm. I'm just looking over right here. They've lost six consecutive games to the Lobos. And what do you guess know? What? Who's all of, all yeah, all of them yeah. were with R.J. Hampton. So um, that's probably a long time coming for them to exact a little bit of revenge. And you know, even though again the uh, the pieces have changed a bit, you know, but nevertheless, the Little Elm has been frisky this year under a under first year head coach and whatnot, Dominic Parker. And then uh, you know, with the colony, I mean, they're I mean, hey. They just they just lost by ten points to Denton Ryan. I was, yeah, so I was going to bring that perhaps up. Perhaps the uh, I mean perhaps the uh, the the balance of power in District Eight Five A might be a little bit different from what the uh, prognostications might have uh, initially uh, led us to believe. Didn't Denton Ryan beat the Colony last year too? Did they? That's I, a good I, question. I, I, I guess might, I don't know if they, uh, they might have, but they're also the only state ranked team in the district, also mm-hmm. ranked what number eleven, yeah. and now they're losing to Denton Ryan, a team that we didn't even pick to make the playoffs. So it's, it's shoot, who knows? So yeah, I mean that's one of those where I think you do kind of. Throw out a lot of the uh, the traditional play mm-hmm. between these two teams when you got a rivalry game, and I think what especially I would look at that one at Little Elm because I do think if there is one that's going to bring out the Lobos, mm-hmm. you know, for a, for a game that's going to mean a little bit extra to them, it would be that one at home against uh, against the Colony. But yeah, never never a dull moment when the uh, when the Cougars and Lobos lock horns. You'd think the the Colony ha- was having a home game last year when they played at Little Elm because really? the Colony, the, at least their student section, they took mm-hmm. up you know an entire chunk. You know, the sections of the stands they had an entire chunk and they were just just yelling about like I said I was standing baseline so I was seeing here and everything and it, you, like I said that was at Little Elm so you know no, regardless of where they play they're, they're both both schools are going to pack the house and then you have a matchup like McKinney North and Lovejoy and these are the you know the projected top two teams at least in District 10 5A um, I believe their district schedule is still a ways off from beginning since it's just a six team district and whatnot but um but you know McKinney North and Lovejoy have been among the more consistent programs in the Metroplex for uh, for some time it's only fitting that you know the district title would you know come down to those two. It's also unique in that these two teams have already played once this season. You know, they were able to draw each other in the uh, as part of the Tommy Thomas Cougar Classic and the Colony over the holidays. And um, you always wonder just the kind of the awkward dynamic of having uh, two teams play each other in a non-district game before you have two games that actually carry weight. So you wonder if both teams are you know maybe holding a little bit back so to speak and whatnot. So, um, but you nevertheless though it was a game that was won by McKinney North. They got them uh, 49 to 44. Um, you know, looking over it, it was a relatively balanced game. You know, McKinney North had a hot start, led by nine after the first quarter, and then Lovejoy responds right away with a big second quarter, and it's a one-point game at halftime. And it was just kind of back and forth until the end. And you know, McKinney North is a uh, you know the deck's a little bit different for North um, with uh, with Brandon Frazier focusing on football and whatnot. And that's I mean that's taking away who was our all-area defensive player of the year and a kid who was a walking double-double and you know five six blocks. A game so it definitely tips the scales a bit and perhaps levels the playing field in this matchup um, you know we'll see though in that first match we had big games on McKinney North side from Todd Jones Dylan Frazier Brandon's brother and whatnot and then um, Carson Holden Josh Kirkland for uh, for Lovejoy um, so yeah I mean these two teams still have you know two matchups left on the docket against each other January 24th is the game at McKinney North uh, February 11th at Lovejoy and um, again when you look at just the way that this district has traditionally played out on the basketball court and the pedigree of these programs it does seem to you know lend some clarity to the idea that the district title is going to be decided between these two teams so um, so yeah get uh, get fired up for some McKinney North versus Lovejoy action uh, let's see Brian um, where did you where did you land though for your uh, for your game to, to watch be most likely in the Frisco area I'm guessing if it was last year I would have said you know inject Liberty and Lone Star in my veins <laughs> right now I need it I need that matchup 
But if the playoffs started today, those two teams would not be in the might playoffs. Might be bad for your health this year. Yeah, he, yeah <laughs> I might not survive. Uh, and, you know, looking at the state rankings, Frisco Memorial, their second ever year uh, with a, as a varsity program, their first year with seniors, mm-hmm. they're, uh, you know, uh, ranked, where were they at? They're at 13 right now in the state. And then Frisco Independence, they're at 18. And Frisco Independence and Memorial didn't make the playoffs last year. Um, those two teams play next week on the 21st, but a game that I'm really intrigued about uh, next Friday uh, on the 17th is Wakeland and Independence. Wakeland and Independence are both 5-1, and one, tied for first place right now. Cooper Cisco, uh, tall, long forward for uh, for Wakeland. He's in his senior year. He's been on this varsity program for a while. He's playing like a, a district MVP candidate leading you know the Wolverines. Um, to a really, a really hot start in district play, and I'm interested to see that game. You know, with Independence, you know, they were, you know, you know, riding the wave and, and undefeated up until last week. They lose double overtime to Lone Star, uh, a struggling Lone Star team, and so it's kind of like, all right, what's what's Independence's identity? What's kind of going on there? But you know, that matchup between Independence and Wakeland, they haven't played each other yet. Uh, it's going to tell a lot. Independence and Memorial, they played early in the district season, and Independence beat Memorial um, by single digits. So you know, when they rematch uh, the following week, you know, when they start the second half of district play, that'll tell a lot also. But there's a lot of teams. There's you know, six or seven teams still in the hunt right now for for mm-hmm. for four playoff spots in a 10-team district in Frisco on the boys' side. So it's going to get real interesting down the stretch, with, and especially with these these top-tier teams that haven't played each other yet. Yeah. It's got to feel nice, though, with kind of like a new wave of talent taking over in Frisco instead of the, the traditional powers. At least on the boys' side. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, Lone Star and Liberty are still pretty good, apparently, yeah. on girls' basketball. Um, so yeah, that's a look at some of the marquee matchups that we have in mind in our coverage area on the 5A side. Um, obviously, 6A is where uh, there's plenty of heavyweight programs. There are plenty of state-ranked matchups that um, we have our eyes on, and we will get to some of those after a quick word from the sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media, 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly pages of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. And we are back as we continue to look at some of the marquee high school basketball games in our coverage area. In the weeks to come, we have talked some 5A, so let's round this out with a look at some of the big games on our radar over in 6A. Um, I spent, uh, you know, I guess I closed out last uh, last Thursday's podcast with a uh, with a really uh, long, elaborate breakdown of just what's um, what's in store over in District 6A and how you have, you know, what five teams that are all capable of potentially winning the district title. And now that we've got a uh, you know a couple. Uh, a couple games under a belt, you're starting to see, um, you know, kind of where, um, you know, the uh, uh, some of the, uh, I guess, the power rising to the top and whatnot. But you had a matchup between two of the uh, kind of the two marquee teams, at least the top two in my opinion in the district. If I was going to power rank them to open the slate, and that was Capel and Louisville. Um, and I was fascinated to see how this how this, how this game went because you had Capel who was coming in on just just this whirlwind of momentum against a Louisville team that has perhaps more talent than anybody in the district, but because of the strength of their schedule the results had been a little bit more up and down. You've always got the Keontae George factor with this team, and uh, 
boy, was that in play in the uh, in the first meeting. Um, Keontae George had 35 points, including the game winner in a 62-61 uh, to 61 victory over a Capel team. And it kind of played out where, I mean, listen, you don't expect Keontae to put up 35 a night, I mean, because they do have plenty of other capable scores on that team. But it's one of those cases where when he is in the rhythm that he was in on, uh, on Friday, you just have to ride the hot hand, you know, especially against a team like Capel that has the firepower, I mean, perhaps not with any one individual player, but they do have, you know, four or five guys that are all capable of getting into double figures. You know, guys like Ryan Agarwal, Anthony Black, Brandon Taylor, Adam Musa. Um, and their their balance was enough to, again, it was enough to get them just right within uh, within sight of that finish line. And then just the uh, the otherworldly talents of Keontae George were uh, were too much. So naturally that does kind of set the stage for, uh, for a rematch that I'm very, very anxious to see how that plays out. And that is uh, going to be January 28th at Louisville inside that uh, that beautiful G- uh, Louisville gymnasium. Um, so yes, I mean Louisville dealt the uh, they dealt the first blow, and um, but certainly in a fashion that I don't think should have Capel discouraged, because again, like you know, Keontae had one of the better games that he's likely to have this season and whatnot, and that's the effort that it took to take down Capel. It didn't like like I personally pick Capel to win the district. It didn't really rattle my faith in their ability to win the you know to win the district or anything. I think they could very easily you know win the rematch and whatnot. But um, but yes, it's just the uh, when you factor in just the dynamic of just the balance and just the uh, the collective the collective uh, identity of a team like Capel against um, you know against a, a Louisville team that has you know just talent for talent as much as you know more than anybody in the district and whatnot and just how much that ended up winning uh, winning out in the end. When did Keontae George become a five star recruit according to? Oh, I mean, I was. Sports. I mean, I remember Justin raving about this kid last year. I mean, oh no, I remember when he was a freshman. Even coming into the freshman season, he was. Oh, that's all Justin would talk about was Keontae yeah. George. I didn't know he was a five star already. Oh, yeah, I, knew, I knew he was. You he's know, one of recruited. the best in the. He's one of the best in the state for that twenty uh, twenty two class. I guess is what it would be. Um, yeah, no, he's. I mean, he's going to have. He can. He's going to be able to pick his school essentially. Yeah, he's already got offers from Texas, TCU, mm-hmm. Baylor, A and M. Says he's ranked fourth in Texas right now. I believe it. So. And he uh, he he just passed the. Uh, the 1,000 point mark for his career in their game on Tuesday. Um, it took him just 41 games to get wow. there, I believe. So that's right around about 25 points a game, which again, if you're just doing this as a freshman and the first half of your sophomore career, it's pretty terrifying to think what this kid's going to look like as a senior. <laughs> it's probably going to be uh, quite a few records that fall in those program history books. Um, but uh, yes, Capel Louisville already uh, laying the groundwork for a, which would be a very, very fascinating District 6-6A schedule. Uh, Brian, where did you land on your pick for for uh, the 6A level? Mm, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, so many 6A schools to choose from for you now. <laughs> I mean, the juicy one, the hot one is, is Prosper Allen. Yes. Um, you know, this coming Tuesday. You know, there's a, they it's have, Tuesday, is it? Uh, it is. It's, t- it's not Tuesday. Cover that. And it's at Prosper. <laughs> You're covering that. Uh, all, all right, deal. <laughs> I get to go to Prosper's um, gym that looks like almost yeah. the um, baby American Airlines Center. Um, by the way, I saw a sneak peek of Rock Hill's uh, new gym. It looks just like what Prosper's like. Does it? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love Prosper's gym. Um, the bowl. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you, know, you have you have the two top teams, two mm-hmm. state-ranked teams in, in 9-6-A, um, both undefeated. 
Allen coming off some scares, huh? Allen's been, yeah, the, the sneaky, like, it, again, it hasn't damaged the bottom line, which is getting the win, yeah. but Allen has had a pension over their last few games. They've been a little slow out of the gates. You know, um, we talked about in the uh, Holiday Hoops Tournament Roundup, you know, Dickinson just cracking Allen across the jaw with, like, what was like an 18-3 to lead. I saw in person Plano East come out guns blazing, hitting everything in sight. They put Allen down, I want to say, 15 in the first quarter, and then um, as I'm at my game on, uh, on Tuesday, I was out covering, what was it, probably the Hebron Flyer Mountain Girls was when I saw the update. Um, and then, I mean, Jesuits, you know, right out of the shoot, Jesuits up, you know, 15-4 to 4 on Allen. Like, oh my goodness, it's just Allen has had a really, really tough time. Just kind of, a, it takes him a quarter or so to wake up and get into, into form. And again, like, it's one thing you can you can get by against, you know, the, the Plano East of the district. And even, again, to do it at Jesuit, don't want to, you know, discount that too. Because when you play, playing Jesuit at home in a way is about as different an experience as it gets, because that Jesuit student section is, that is, I mean, they <laughs> I are, mean, I've they are the truth. experienced that. What, what makes you, them so unique? There's so, so many of them. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they show up force. Yes. There are so many of them that have really, really creative ways of getting themselves involved in the game. That is, like, you know, home court, like home court, home field advantage can be kind of overrated, I think, in high mm -hmm. school sports. Sure. But the, there, there are very few that actually truly do make a difference playing them home or away. Jesuit is one of them. And hopefully when Prosper plays Jesuit at Jesuit, I believe does that does that game still have to happen? Yeah, the they game? played the first one at Prosper. Okay, so yeah, yeah, I'd circle that one just so you can experience the Jesuit students because it's it is a sight to behold. Like I was, I was there for um, you know their game against. Uh, Plano West last year, and again, it wasn't like it was for the district title or anything. Mm -hmm. I had to sit on the baseline <laughs> and take and you know take notes and whatnot, just sitting up against the wall on the baseline because there was no there was no room in the stands. It's not exactly it's not a, a massive you know seating uh, you know seating area either, so it does really Isn't it create a, a very gym? condensed atmosphere. It is yeah you know, yeah it kind of makes it a little more intimate. And it is a small, the, very old you know. school gym, and, um, and but yes, it is a very very special atmosphere. So to get out of there with a win, and again, it was a game that. Uh, I mean, Allen let that one slip away dangerously. They were up by four with about six seconds left. They turned the ball over on an inbounds play. Jesuit got a clean look from three right at the top of the key. Could not knock it down. Did a little bit of a toilet bowl spin out. Um, you know, and then uh, Allen was able to escape with a three-point victory. Um, so, yes, Allen is, uh, you know, they've been in some uh, some rocky moments these last few games because of these slow starts. And it's something that, I mean, if Prosper is what we've, uh, you know, what we believe they are this season, then it might very well backfire on them if they can't have a strong start against the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, and they have a district MVP candidate, yeah. Mondo Battle. I mean, he's dropping 25, 24 uh, a night. He had 25 against McKinney Boyd. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned how Allen is starting off slow and then picking it up late. Prosper, that Pro <coughs> excuse me, Prosper had the opposite issue against Boyd. They almost blew it late. You know, they, I mean, they, they had a comfortable lead, and you know, Boyd started pressing and and whatnot. From you know, Kendrick was at the game, and, yeah. and he we, we talked about it a little bit, and I saw a story and everything. But you know, it kind of seemed like they had the opposite issue, and if you know, if they let up if they you know if they can get a lead like that against Allen you know or, or a Jesuit again and then they let up the way they did against Boyd they'll be in, in trouble especially since seeing how Allen just turns it on in the they second do. Oh, yeah. and I mean they can definitely close they have plenty of capable guys that have been through this ringer on varsity Tyland Elder Manny Obaseki uh, Bryce Kennedy and they I mean the fact that this is a team that does rely a ton on the three ball so again that's that's a pretty easy way to erase the deficits yeah. if you get hot from three um, but yes yeah Allen and Prosper's uh, that's that's uh, and that's Tuesday, Tuesday and then uh, Prosper at Jesuit is January 28th. And then Prosper at Allen will be February 7th. And what could potentially be, I mean, it'll be, you know, it's what, third, fourth, the last game of the district could very well be 
district title at stake in that one. Um, so let's see, yes, Alan Prosper definitely on the radar. Um, let's see, Devin, where did you land on this over in 6A? You know, you look at 10 6A, and I could have picked any one of a dozen, half dozen games because I think everybody's so evenly matched over there, and I think that's that's the main storyline there. So I went to 11 6A, and uh, I chose Mesquite against Mesquite Horn. Um, that first meeting is January 21st over at Horn. Uh, it's still so early. Right now, Mesquite's off to a 2 0 start. Horn is 1 0. Uh, they also had a pie mixed in there. But I just think these have two. These Two teams have two of the more interesting storylines. Mm. Uh, I think Horn really want to see if this is kind of a breakthrough season for them. They're ranked number 15th in the state poll. And I mentioned last week I think they're being battle-tested. So I went back and kind of looked. Um, of their 23 games, 17 have come against teams with winning records. Wow. Now you can say that's relative because mm -hmm. different teams play different uh, strengths of schedules. But eight of the teams they played are state ranked this week. Um, and then 16 of the 23 teams were projected to make the playoffs. And of those seven, two of them, like McKinney's off to a good start. Very. Grand Prairie's, a bit. Grand Prairie's 14 and mm -hmm. one. They weren't picked to make the playoffs. So, I mean, I think they, they're battle tested. Uh, you know, the preseason poll said Longview one, Horn two, Rockball Heath three, Rockball four. Well, Horn's already beaten Longview. So they've already made that statement that, hey, we're here to compete for the district title. Uh, you know, it's a senior laden group. Uh, Zaki Sawyer, uh, who's signed with uh, Louisiana Monroe, he's a 6'5, versatile guy, can play forward, can play guard. Um, you know, kind of their team leader. Uh, Preston Amond is a six-seven forward. He's a three-year starter. He's just he's he's got some post moves. He's got a good mid-range jumper. He's a you know he can pass the ball really well. They run the offense through him sometimes. You know, Devin Hancock is a dynamic scorer who can he's he's capable of putting in 25, 30 a night if you know if he has the hot hand. Uh, guys like Isaiah Chandler and Gerald King, um, seniors that are, that are you know proven contributors. Uh, they have a couple sophomores and Bryson Smith and Sean Moaning who have you know. You know, had their moments as well, and add depth to that group. So, you know, it's really interesting to see. Like I say, they they've competed well, even in their losses. The only game really that they didn't compete in all season long was against Lancaster, when they got they, that just got away from them. But even their in their you know losses to those state ranked teams like Allen, you know, like Guy or whatnot, those were two, three, five mm -hmm. point games that they were in, that they were competitive in. And obviously, that, I think that makes them worthy of their own state ranking. Um, but again, I think they have motivation uh, as well as they've been edged out of the playoffs. They haven't made it in a couple of years, and they don't have a playoff win since 2013. And so I think this group um, being close before and whatnot, and again, just you know, being that they've been through some of these early wars, if they can put it together throughout 11-6, again, they already cast the first blow, you know, you know, knocking off Longview in that first game, I think they could be in for a special season. Yeah. Mesquite, um, you know, they did make the playoffs last season, but they're still not back to where I guess they kind of feel like they belong. They were kind of the bell cow of Mesquite ISD basketball for so long you know they made the playoffs 15 straight years from 2003 to 2017 and it wasn't just that they made five regional tournaments and a trip to the state tournament but they've kind of fallen off um, being able to make it to those levels here uh, here recently and even you know after making the playoffs last year they weren't picked to make the playoffs so far this year you know they're 2-0 and uh, you know take it for what it's worth they had a 20-point winner of North Mesquite uh, road win at Tyler Lee which you know is, is always nice to come over you never know how those East Texas trips are going to go yeah. in terms of um, 
in terms of the travel and whatnot. But you know, DeAndre Heath is, is a, another three-year contributor, uh, you know, explosive scorer. Uh, Xavier Golightly is a six-four guy who, who can do a few different things. They've got some good performances uh, from guys like Charles Washington and from guys like Gerald Thompson. Uh, they've had some younger guys even that have stepped up at different times here recently. Uh, so it's you know they're trying to get back to that consistent playoff team level, um, and, and you know they're taking care of business two and zero just to start. Again, we'll know a lot more even before that January twenty first matchup with Horn. We'll know a lot more about Mesquite, you know, in the next mm-hmm. three four games before they get to Horn. Um, but I just think potentially speaking, they they could be one of those you know getting back to where they feel like that they belong and competing for district champions. Mm-hmm. So I like to say Mesquite and Horn are two teams that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on you know going forward. You mentioned uh, McKinney you know moments ago, and there's always something unique about McKinney every year in boys basketball. Whether you think you know a few years ago when they had EJ Clark and just the the special run that they uh, that they went on in 2015 when they went to the regional semifinals you know and an EJ submitting you know one of the I think he might have been our uh, he was a district MVP or went out his senior year and I mean one of the best players in the area and then the, he turns the reins over to Byron Scobie who I believe was our offensive player of the year in um, our all area vote last season and um, and yeah I mean this kid who could put up 40 50 points a night if he was if he was cooking um, so there's always been some unique wrinkle to this McKinney team and then this year it has been kind of the youth movement you know Kendrick's mentioned that in episode episodes past where, you know, a lot of the uh, the better players on this bikini team this year are underclassmen, lots of freshmen and sophomores that, get, that are getting some serious run. So, um, you know, guys like Jacoby Walter, Alex Anamekwe, Devin Vincent, and Jacoby Campbell. And you always wonder now how that's going to translate in the district as this team grows up. It's kind of comparable to kind of what Plano, Plano East has going, or, going on on the uh, on the girls' side. And you've seen this uh, this McKinney team early on. I mean, they are, uh, they're living dangerously. You know, they've had some games that, um, you know, could vary. I mean, they're 2-0 right now, and they could very well be 0 and 2. You know they went to overtime with Plano in their district opener in a game that they wound up uh, being able to pull out uh, 66 to 63 despite Plano just catching fire in the fourth quarter, outscored them 22 to 15, and then they were actually down heading into the fourth quarter against uh, against Plano West, had only 30 points in three quarters, and then just caught fire and scored 26 <laughs> over the final eight minutes and were able to pull out a 56 to 52 win. Um, so you're just you're kind of seeing bits and pieces fall into place with this McKinney team to where once it all clicks and once they do grow up this is a team that perhaps could be you know uh, wind up being one of the better teams in this district and um, you know Kendrick the uh, the matchup that he specifically zeroed in on it's not the crosstown showdown given I mean how much he, he loves that and whatnot <laughs> but um his their matchups against Prosper who we just mentioned you know moments ago um, you know they play Prosper on let's see January 21st is the game at McKinney and then February 14th at Prosper is I think the one that is more uh, more intriguing to me at least just because I think if the, the the longer the season goes on this McKinney team is going to uh, you know get over just those inconsistencies and whatnot and you're really going to start to see these younger players really kind of you know come into their own and that late season matchup against Prosper is one that I think could really really be a uh, kind of a you know, perhaps a chance to maybe at a coming out party for that for that McKinney team and whatnot so uh, yeah that's um that is very much on Kendrick's radar, and now as I'm talking about it, I'm kind of intrigued to see how it turns out as well. Uh, let's see, is that, um, yeah, that'll, I guess, uh, that'll just about do it. We've touched on uh, some of the marquee games to watch in our coverage area at both the 6A and 5A levels. Did it on Monday for the girls, and now we're doing it today for boys basketball. And that will uh, wrap up this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Uh, Brian and Devin, I appreciate you all for tagging along. Folks, you enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. 
Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.